We be saying no, 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 when it's really yes, 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 yes. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Fem Phenom podcast. My name is Angela, and this episode is on therapy. In a recent conversation with a friend where we discussed what we're looking for in life partners, my friend exclaimed that therapy is absolutely non-negotiable. And a critic in the room thought that this was an unrealistic expectation as we all come into healing in our own space and time. And while I wholeheartedly agree with that, in this era of awareness and access where we're all participating in the movement of living our best lives, therapy is absolutely non-negotiable. One thing that I know to be true at this point in my life is that there is no way to avoid trauma. We have all endured trauma. We have all observed trauma. And with that said, if you're not addressing your trauma, you are operating in your trauma, which ultimately controls your life, designs your behavior. And if it goes completely unaddressed, it's passed down to your children and all of those that you influence. We bring it into our relationships, we bring it into our business, we bring it into every aspect of our life when we don't address it. I look back on my 20s and my very early 30s and I recognize where my trauma was causing me to self-sabotage, to push away from people, to cut off relationships, I developed trust issues, all because I was grounded in trauma which impacted all of my relationships, including my relationship with myself, because it ended up shaping and molding my self-talk. I was reading a Psychology Today article recently that says, consider that almost everything you do that ends up hurting you begins with your self-talk, more specifically, your negative self-talk. And the main reason your current problems have been so difficult to surmount is that if you're like most people, you're only vaguely aware of what moment to moment you're saying to yourself, which I can wholeheartedly attest to. The self-talk that encouraged my self-sabotaging behavior was rooted in pity. And, And at a certain point, I got lost in playing the blame game and trying to identify the sources of my pain, the sources of my trauma, which serves a purpose, but... Getting lost in it just prolongs the pain. Eventually, I realized that what I really needed to do was unlearn the behavior. But without resources, that's very difficult to do and very time consuming. My stepfather is a builder by trade. And one of the lessons he taught me growing up is that the job is easier with the right tools. And I've learned that life is a job. And one of the biggest aspects of the job is managing relationships, our relationships with ourselves and our relationship with everyone and everything that we share space with. So I'm in a place where I have recognized this behavior. I realize I need to unlearn it, but I don't have the tools. And in the naivety of my youth, I decide to fashion my own tools, which got me in loads of trouble because my tools led me to insulate myself and push away from everyone around me to not trust people, to put people through the emotional ringer before they could get close to me, to immediately cut them off at the first offense. Because once I let anyone in, any offense was interpreted by me as betrayal. I was existing with this minefield around me where I expected people to know where the 
explosives were, but I had existed in it for so long that I didn't even remember where the explosives were. And I held everyone around me more accountable to my triggers than I held myself. Now, it's obvious that working with a professional could have alleviated a lot of this disastrous merry-go-round behavior, but I was indoctrinated to associate therapy with shame. The overwhelming response to therapy that I was exposed to was, I don't need therapy. There's nothing wrong with me. We don't need therapy. There's nothing wrong with us. You don't need therapy. There's nothing wrong with you. And I bought into that. I even went as far as to pity people who were brave enough to share that they were in therapy and even had this sense of pride in the belief that I didn't need it. There was nothing wrong with me. But the Wayne Dyer quote changed the way you look at things and the things you look at will change and sent me down one of the best wormholes I've discovered in life. And I realized that it wasn't therapy that was problematic. It was my perspective and my outlook and what I had allowed myself to believe as it related to therapy. I gained such perspective from this and began realizing that I needed to challenge the way I had looked at life, the way that I had agreed to so many perspectives that weren't necessarily rooted in facts or truth, but that were rooted in this is what I've been told. Therefore, this is what I know to be true. And that's where a lot of us get lost. And that existence got us thus far. But in this, again, in this era of access, in this era of awareness, we have to challenge what we know to be true and ask ourselves, is it actually true? With that said, there is another huge stigma associated with therapy, and this also influenced me, which is the costs associated with therapy. In this era where healthcare is truly a luxury rooted in capitalism, medical debt is terrifying and is impacting credit scores far and wide, mine included. So I definitely had reservations about absorbing the cost of therapy. But after a bit of research, I was able to find that a lot of therapists offer care on a sliding scale where the cost of care is regulated in conjunction with your income. But because this sliding scale isn't always advertised, the patient has to ask the healthcare provider if they offer care on a sliding scale, which most do. So that alleviated a lot of my concerns. In addition, there are a lot of federally funded therapy resources. The Department of Health and Human Services has an entire directory on their website dedicated to federally funded resources at findahealthcenter.hrsa.gov. So at this point, new perspective has allowed me to see beyond the stigmas of shame and costs associated with therapy. And this perspective also allowed me to realize that at the root of therapy is psychology, which is the science of the mind and behavior. And I find it so fascinating that I allowed myself to become adverse to the science of my mind and my behavior, yet I welcome science in every other area of my life. Science facilitates the technology that manages my travel, that manages my communication, that manages entertainment. It facilitates business, modern medicine, even cosmetics, and so many other industries. 
that I happily partake in, but somehow I allowed myself to become adverse to the science of my mental health, which to me is actually the science of happiness. After all, is happiness not a state of mind? This is where I realized that in order to truly curate my best life, I had to curate better thoughts, which touches back on the self-talk that I mentioned earlier. In Leon F. Seltzer's Psychology Today article on 19 critical ways to save you from yourself, he lists 19 actionable methods to curate your thoughts. I shared this article on the Fem Phenom's Twitter account, and I'd love to hear which of these 19 critical uh, methods speak to you most directly. Number three, number eight, and number 13 spoke truest to me. And I'll share each of them here with you now. Number three reads, reassess your assumptions about how the world operates and consequently how you need to function in it. I was so disillusioned in this area. I really held on to what I knew to be true for dear life in so much that it became my code of conduct. But when I allowed myself to re-examine what I knew to be true about how the world operates, I also had to relearn or reestablish a new code of conduct. And then there's number eight, which reads, at every opportunity, seek to prove to yourself that you're safer than you feel. For me, this was a directive to deactivate the landmine I had created for myself emotionally. Being honest with myself, I realized that landmine is directly connected to me not feeling safe, to me feeling threatened and approaching everything and everyone in life from that space. But number 13 really turned things upside down for me. It says, examine the rationality of your issues related to trust. Every time I read this, I feel something being uprooted in my spirit. And I realize how I have existed with an expectation for betrayal. I have molded myself in that belief so much so that when I look back on critical relationships that I unconsciously sabotaged, I was rooted in the belief that I had been betrayed. And in retrospect, I can see that in many instances, that wasn't true. But in the moment and in those spaces, nothing could have convinced me otherwise because I knew that to be true. The way I knew the sky to be blue, the way I knew the sun to shine during the day, the way I knew the moon to rise at night. And because I was rooted in something that was completely false, that I have learned was a byproduct of my trauma, I unapologetically cut people off, pushed people away, and didn't allow myself to ever feel safe. And trust me when I say that is no way to live. With this awareness, I now ground myself with intention and not with pain. I anchor my thoughts in what I have versus what I don't, and what I want versus what I don't want and what I can afford versus what I can't afford and what is right in my life and what is wrong in my life and what I can do versus what I can't and what I where I have been versus where I haven't been and 
this last one was a big one for me and I've noticed it to be a big barrier for a lot of people who I have shared space with. But setting your thoughts on who loves you and who doesn't, on who shows up for you versus who doesn't, on who supports you versus who doesn't, setting your thoughts on who pours into you and not who doesn't. There's been so many times where I've been at a function or a party hosted by someone I know and they spend so much time either at the event or thereafter discussing who didn't show up. And the observation I take away from that is one, it's a slap in the face to those of us or those who do show up for you, who do support you, who do pour into you. But on the other side of it, you're giving weight to people who aren't even here. You're giving your attention and your energy to people who don't even care to show up for you, who make no effort, who give you, who don't reciprocate that. Why? Why? That forced me to sit down and reevaluate where I needed to reassign my energies and thoughts and how I needed to be grounded in intention and not with pain. I also had a realization that the most valuable aspects of life or assets, I should say, in life are time, health and love. And I can hear critics saying that sounds like a fairy tale, but we have so many accounts of people on their deathbed. And what do they say? Time is our only currency. Health extends that currency or can for many and love enhances that currency. Do not be dismayed as to buy into the currency of money because I have learned from many who haven't had money who, who, and who've come into money that ultimately money is convenience. It facilitates convenience, which is nice, but it does not facilitate time. It does not facilitate health. It does not facilitate love. With all these takeaways, I fully embrace making 2019 the year of therapy, making therapy non-negotiable, especially in our pursuits to live our best lives. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the Fem Phenom, all together, all lowercase. That's T-H-E-F-E-M-M-E. P-H-E-N-O-M on Twitter and Instagram. Feel free to communicate with us there. Feel free to share your thoughts on this podcast and those to come. And thank you so much for bearing with me as I invest in this project. As I was editing this episode, I was able to hear where the levels are off and I have ordered a proper mic that will alleviate that issue in episodes to come. So until next time, please take care.